Okay, clap. God, these claps in this new apartment are supreme. Yeah, can you do it one more time, though? (laughs) Hey there, I'm Jordan. And I'm Nick. We're just two regular guys who love talking about film. And now we'd like to talk to you. We decided to break down our discussions into three parts. Because everyone loves a gimmick. We discuss our expectations for a film before we watch it. That's take one. We give our immediate thoughts following the film. That's take two. And finally, we research the film at length to prepare for an informed and in-depth discussion. And that's take three. So if you love film even half as much as we do, join in on the conversation. This is take three, a movie podcast. Take one. So your fan on your laptop is running, and maybe we'll be able to hear it once I edit it, and maybe we won't. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I, I think it's slowed down, but I don't I don't know how to stop it. <laughs> it's okay. You probably I'm sorry. Uh, I remember as I used to um, to stop fans. I used to like stick my hand in the blade, and and be like it would catch it. Like oh my god. Yeah, when I was little, I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't think that through. I imagine that probably is like not how you do it. Hold on, hold on. I'm talking about my computer fan. No, I know, I know. And like, I was gonna say, you probably shouldn't do that. You stuck your finger in the computer fan? No, 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 no. In your fan fans? Yeah. Um. Like, if there was a fan that was like an oscillating fan, you turn it off and then just slow it down. You just stick your finger in, and it would just stop. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, hi, Jordan. <laughs> Hello, Nick. Um, this is episode 23 of our podcast. 23. If it, if it didn't wind up being 23, you won't hear this. So I won't, I won't put this in if, if for some reason we had to move this episode around. Or if I'm just getting the number wrong. <laughs> but we're doing Us, which is really exciting. I yes, 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 am yes. a big fan of this movie. I am a huge fan of Jordan Peele. I know that we have talked about that a lot on this podcast. We are big Jordan Peele fans. We cannot wait to see what he does next. And it just seemed like a really good movie to talk about because not only are we huge Jordan Peele fans, we are huge Lupita Nyong'o fans. We are huge Winston Duke fans. Elizabeth Moss? (laughs) I'm not a really big fan of Elizabeth Moss, but... Why not? Okay, so like the one really thing that I know her from is that really depressing uh, Handmaid's show that I don't like. So, Oh, but I mean, she's really good in it. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, isn't she a Scientologist, though? Yeah, she's a part of a cult. And like, while we yeah, support your right to believe what you want to believe, um, if you're in a cult and you got and, and it's it's like a dangerous cult, um, maybe maybe don't be in it. No, you're right. You're right. But uh, you know, she's um She's good in this movie, I'll say it. I think she's Yeah, fine. I think she's fantastic in this movie, actually. Uh but like Lupita definitely steals it. Like she is incredible. I can't think of anything that Lupita Nyongo <laughs> is in that she doesn't steal. Yeah. You know how like Scorsese works a lot with Leonardo DiCaprio? Mm-hmm. Quentin Tarantino, you know, has has movies where he works a lot with this particular actor or that particular actor. I really, really hope that throughout Jordan Peele's long career and throughout Lupita Nyong'o's long career that they wind up pairing up a lot. Because I think 
I think this is probably my favorite performance she's given. And I've seen a lot of her movies and I love them all. But um, I think really, I think he, he draws so much out of her. Yeah. She's very talented. I feel like we, we've talked about the difference between like Get Out and this movie. How we think yeah. maybe that Get Out is is maybe a better movie with a better message, more to say. Right, right. So I I bring up the analogy a lot that uh, a good movie may not necessarily be an entertaining movie and vice versa. Like an entertaining movie may not be the best movie. I think that Get Out was a better movie, but I would reach for Us. Like if I were given the choice to watch two of them, I would want to yeah. watch Us because I think Us was a more entertaining movie. Not to say that great that, movies. Yeah, not to say that Us is not a good movie. It's a right, masterfully right. made movie. But as far as just coming, like being the sophomore effort to the freshman effort of Get Out, it's like he yeah. came out literal guns a blazing, and we thought that there was a possibility at least early on before we were corrected you know beforehand thinking that us would be a social commentary in some regard and while i guess if you maybe dug in a little bit you can see definitely definite aspects of that it's certainly not as blatant and in your face as get out is and i think that that is one of get out's biggest strengths is that Overall, it has something really powerful to say. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas Us, I think, is more of like a think piece. I know that he got the idea from a Twilight Zone episode, I think. Yeah, I was going to say this one's much more Twilight Zone-y. Yeah. uh, Which is funny because he went on to star in and direct – the director, right? Because I know he had a hand in the in the reboot of Twilight Zone. I don't know what he did. I'd be interested to know. You know, I know. I mean, obviously, he's he's the like, host. Um, yeah, the new guy that comes in. I for the life of me can't think of the old guy that comes in and does it. But like, he's the new guy that comes in um, for the new Twilight Zone, and um, I think he does great there. But I'd be if if he's not involved in some capacity, I feel like that's kind of a waste because like. You know, he's so he's so talented. I mean, this is a man that like it's not like he just burst on the scene and was like, "Okay, here's get out. I mean, he had been doing movie level comedy. Yeah. Like but movie level quality skits on his TV show. You know what I mean? And 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 those were relevant and, and current and satirical and had social commentary in them. I like that he's able to use those talents to now like make big feature films. That's really cool, um, mm-hmm. especially movies like this, which are scary and fun and funny, and, make and you also think. kind of revolutionary. I feel like these are sort of their own. He's kind of created his own genre. I would say, like, I don't know. He's he's doing things that movies haven't done before at face value certainly the fact that he's literally casting african-american that's leads in these movies that's exactly yeah like that's that's exactly my point yeah yeah and i think people recognize obviously people recognize that but i think people are recognizing him as someone who is really going to make some big changes in the movie industry like it's he's he's really taking some steps to to break out and to make changes and i I'm so thrilled that he's doing that. I think he's doing a fantastic job. 
this is so corny and cheesy, but I love a good set of something. I love like, um, like if you give me like, a, a, if someone, if someone like redesigned book covers, I just like, I want a fresh new set. Like I want something that like all kind of matches in some way, but everything's a little different and you just kind of have this collection. And I know that directors have collections and sets. And I know that, uh, you know, it's very clear what a, a Kubrick movie is and it's very clear what a Tarantino movie is. And I cannot wait for, Jordan Peele's portfolio to kind of round out and I can't wait for him to establish like his own set. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I just, uh, it's, I cannot wait to see what he comes up with next. I'm, I'm so excited. Because of the fact that he has gotten into the twilight zone and has talked so openly about just being such a fan of horror and telling, telling stories that evoke emotion and all of that. Something tells me that he is not currently looking for a way to get out of horror. I know that horror is – people say that horror is the easiest genre to get into because you can make a horror movie for cheap. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can, tell a, you can tell a scary story and make it for cheap. But like that's not – I don't feel like that's why he's doing it. I think he genuinely loves telling these darker, more serious stories that really do, you know – evoke fear and make you think i don't know like yeah but then i also think about like in both of those movies i wasn't so much like genuinely terrified as i was filled with a sense of dread (laughs) and then on a dime i was laughing my head off i mean both those movies are hysterical (laughs) i don't know he, he really is just able to flex his muscles in a way that doesn't feel like he's showing off. Mm -hmm. There's like a humility to him as a filmmaker. It seems to be a passion of his to tell these kind of uh, more offbeat stories. But again, like if he wanted to go and tell a straight up comedy story, I would follow him wherever because he's certainly proven himself. Totally. Yeah. 100%. I'm really looking forward to seeing this movie. And I walked out with a, a huge smile on my face. It's entertaining and fun. And like the last shot of it, my jaw dropped and I think I lost my breath. Like I was, do we remember what song was playing at the end? No, but yeah, we should look at that. Cause he does. He is a master of putting music in these, these yeah. movies. It is such a important talent. I think like, and Absolutely. not everybody has that. It's something that I'm very sensitive to. And, uh, it's a the promo music for these. I remember when uh, I, it might have been the second trailer that came out. There's um, it was like a, a remastering, I guess you'd call it, of the I, I got five on it song. Yeah, I'm totally showing my whiteness here. I don't really know. I don't know the official title of it, but um, the I remember like sitting you down. I'm like, I just just saw this. We have to sit like right in front of the TV and we have to listen to it blaring because like it is one of the greatest yeah soundtracks i guess to this this promotional material it was so amazing yeah, i feel like everybody who saw that remembers that the, like oh dun, yeah dun, dun. like oh, God. i got five on it dun, yeah dun. it is yeah <laughs> so terrifying so, so good and so like oh it just shakes your bones and it's like a, that huge bass and you just have to listen yeah. to it loud but uh I have a playlist because one of my favorite things I'm, I'm a soundtrack junkie. I, I love soundtracks. I love the art of soundtracks. I love the art of film scores. And one of my favorite things is when a horror movie uses like 
typically happy songs yeah during like horrific moments the one that comes to mind right now is when uh roller coaster of love was playing on and during the tanning bed scene in final destination three yeah it's like one of the first one of my favorite scenes ever and uh and we'll get this is probably more take two material but when uh elizabeth moss is being slaughtered and her whole family is being murdered and uh that beach boys song is good vibrations yeah yes it's so good oh my god it just makes me so happy and uh, that immediately went on my uh it's just called my horror playlist on spotify where i just add songs that just remind me of horrific scenes and it's just the contrast of that is so incredible to me i definitely know you mean i follow that playlist for sure (laughs) It's a small one. It has probably like five or six songs yeah. on it, but uh, but I, I, it's a slowly growing thing. Great movie. I can't wait to rewatch it. All right, let's get to it. Day two. Okay, clap. God, these claps in this new apartment are supreme. Yeah, can you do it one more time though? What? <laughs> Why? Yeah. It just like doesn't show up on the waveforms, which always makes me nervous. That's fine. That's fine. Should I do it now? Yeah. Okay. Is that good? Yep. My hands hurt. I I think I changed my mind about this movie. I totally feel the same way. Like, I know I've used this analogy so many times about how Get Out was a better movie, but this one is more entertaining. But I, I don't know if it's just because I missed so much in the first, like, the first time I watched it or... I just better understand it now, but this is like, this is a solid movie. This is a really good movie. I definitely feel the same way. I think that my issue was twofold. One, I couldn't understand a lot of what Red was saying in the theater. Lupita's tethered? Yeah, Red is Lupita Nyong'o's tethered. They just happened to give all the exposition to someone who has a really hard time speaking. Mm -hmm. But now listening to it with headphones in and I could I could really understand what she was saying it makes so much more sense and I think it removes a lot of the questions that I had that I I just figured oh okay I guess they just don't have answers I guess it's just not gonna fully make sense well actually a lot of it really does make a lot more sense and we can talk about it as we go on Uh, Mm -hmm. my the second reason that I I like it a little bit more and this is quick uh, everyone (laughs) in my theater I felt was laughing at the worst times I mean I understand that these characters are funny and, and Winston Duke is hysterical and, you know, he's out there like, we can get crazy and all that stuff. But <laughs> this is like a home invasion. So it's like the scariest thing to me uh, that's that's possible. Like that is my biggest fear is someone coming into my home. But people were just cackling in the theater. And I'm like, this is not how you should feel, you know. So watching it in the quiet of my room, I was able to, I guess, feel that fear a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, sorry. There's- no, you're Continue. good. I don't know if we ever bring this up. I feel like it's something we need to bring up every single episode. But uh, theater etiquette is absolutely a thing. If you're a theater talker, knock that off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is just, like, num- even if the movie's like stupid as hell, keep your mouth shut. Don't ruin it for other people. Let's make that like a Surgeon General warning, like on all of our episodes. Yeah. Not Surgeon General, but like like a, a PSA. You have no idea how much you can affect someone else's time you know and even if they have to get up go get somebody and stop you from talking and you do stop talking you've just taken them out of the whole scenario you know what i mean like having to go up like what if someone with social anxiety has to get up and go get someone like you've stressed that person out and made that person 
that's me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like this. And yeah. I, I do it all the time. I am like known for that. Oh, somebody's talking. I'll be right back. Yeah. You have no problem with that. But like, that means I missed the movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I can't like, even when it's even when like I'm with someone and they shush someone else, the, the whole rest of the movie, I'm like grabbing onto my seat. I'm like, God, this is just so awkward now. Yeah. It's just, it's. Just be quiet. <laughs> and nowadays, I mean, there's violence in theaters. I mean, you can't, you, you don't want to get in an altercation in public with anyone ever because you yeah. never know what's going to happen. I mean, it's yeah. it's a scary place out there. So I will recommend that, yes, you be quiet, but also if you've had a bad experience in a theater and you walked out of the movie being like, eh, I didn't, I didn't love it, try it again at home because it yeah. really, <laughs> it really could play differently then. Because I don't even think people realize how much a bad theater experience kind of colors their absolutely. Oh, and a good theater experience can color your taste as well. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like going and seeing it in a clean, quiet theater. I mean, yeah, that's like ideal. So like if you can get that base, like quiet theater where you can completely immerse yourself and, and really pay attention to the movie, that's that's like ideal. So give other people that chance. Be respectful. Turn your phone off. Don't talk during the movie. Yeah, I think people that listen to us, I think our listeners probably aren't. I would, I was going to say, I'd like, yeah, I'm going to give us the benefit of the doubt and say that we we attract yeah. nice people and <laughs> respectful people. This is very much uh, a lot of tangents in this take too, but they're very important. I do want to bring up our ants yet again. I'm sure everyone has heard us talk about them, but we we recorded take one of this episode a long, long time ago. It was like in the summer. We were trying to get as many yeah. things kind of knocked out as possible. But this is the last episode that we've recorded a take one for. So going forward, they're going to be a lot closer together. Yeah. But that being said, we had enough episodes stacked up to where when the girls gave us a shout out, we couldn't like immediately give them a shout out that was as like beautiful and amazing as, as they give us. I'm not <laughs> doing this because like, oh, they gave us something. We need to give them something. I just think that like they are such wonderful ladies uh you definitely need to go check them out did we say their uh, name oh, we explain movies oh yes yes <laughs> they are called we explain movies yeah. you should know this by now we, we talk about them all the time um the link will be in the description yes we will absolutely tag them uh but i did want to take this opportunity to announce to formally announce it's been announced on social media by now but to formally announce that we will be collabing with them which is like so exciting and i am so so excited to do this we will be swapping formats in november we will be releasing an episode in november where uh i will take their or we will take their format uh and i will explain the movie the lobster to my co-host nicholas and they will adopt our format doing a take one take two take three of the same movie the lobster in in their podcast um so that'll be released i think you said november 11th yeah november 11th which is veterans day yeah it's a monday so it's not it's not gonna like interrupt our schedule it'll be just like a a bonus episode which will be a lot of fun also i just want to include that november is going to look a little bit different than our normal months do because we're changing around a couple of dates november 1st is a friday and that will be a quick take but then just four days later on November 5th. On November 5th. Remember, remember, bitches. Which is a Tuesday. We're going to do V for Vendetta. That was uh, by request of me. I watched that movie on the 5th every year, and I figured it would only be appropriate to cover and release on that day. Yeah, so. yeah. 
I'm excited for that. And then the 11th, which is the following Monday, we'll have the collab. And then four days later, we're going to have a Patreon-exclusive episode. And then I think everything goes back to Friday releases again. So Sounds good. Throws off a couple of days. We have a, a Tuesday and a Monday release, but it's still the same amount of episodes. So if you're confused, I am too. Don't worry. <laughs> It'll be the same amount plus one because the, the oh, yeah, Explain yeah. Movies one will be like a bonus. So uh, I'm just so excited because ever since I, I started listening to them, it was it was like, God, I want to – I want to try this A and B. I just want them to cover every movie ever. <laughs> that would just yeah. be great if I could just you know quickly reference uh, any movie that I want from them. Um, yeah, get to work, ladies, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we love you. Uh, we we appreciate uh, your shout outs to us. One other thing I wanted to bring up with them: if you guys followed them on Instagram, like scroll down just a little bit and see what awesome cosplayers they are. Oh my god, the three beautiful ladies, and uh, they are just rocking these costumes. I am like, yeah. I think. I mean, I I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of it's from Comic Con because they went to Comic Con, and like they have the benefit that I think they live in California, so they can just hop over to the convention whenever they want, which is yeah. just I'm so jealous. <laughs> that would be so cool. Uh, Someday. So Kimmy, Kayleen, and Courtney are magical witchy aunts. Uh, we just really appreciate you, ladies, and we can't wait to release our collaboration. So excited. Yeah. I'm so excited. It's going to be fun. I don't know anything about the lobster, so we're going <laughs> to... That's going to be oh, weird. And in the last episode, I think I mentioned that like I had already started. It's because I have been watching and taking notes. Because these ladies are so talented. They can go to see whatever the movie they see, they cover watch it once and somehow remember every single detail. Oh yeah. While, they're covering stuff that's like in theaters. Yeah. While simultaneously like, uh, like doing what we do and analyzing it and bringing up themes and connections. And like, it's just like, Holy shit. <laughs> they're magic. This they're takes magic. us a long time to do. <laughs> so <laughs> absolutely does. This is like, <laughs> they're magic. Okay. Back to oh. us. Yeah, but well, kind of, Wait. kind of. There's another reason we bring them up. We've heard from some of our listeners that it's kind of difficult to follow along on some of the episodes of movies that people haven't seen. And I've heard people recommend that we kind of give a short summary of the movie. And it's difficult to do that. We've kind of tried in the past and it doesn't really work without uh, A, making the episode super long or B, kind of just giving this boring summary that that really doesn't make any sense or like the points that we bring up wouldn't be referenced very well. So what we are going to do moving forward is actually include a link to a synopsis in the description. Um, so we're going to do that from now on. If an episode comes out and um, you don't, you haven't seen it, just go to the info on the episode and follow the link and you can get a quick synopsis of it there. Definitely. That way you're kind of in on it. This is hardly a, a commercial for our collaboration where we take on, we explain movies um, <laughs> format, but we just have no faith in our ability to do it as well as oh, we yeah. explain movies does. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, not gonna try or not gonna try anymore. Actually, uh, we're gonna just <laughs> let someone who actually wrote it out. If you again, at its core, our podcast is about diving into movies that you have already seen, and if you haven't seen them, encouraging you to see them first. Um, yeah, but like if you just don't have access to them or just don't have the time, and you know. Um, definitely encourage you to read the synopsis that we will include 
beforehand moving forward yep, yes yep. and like maybe i'll try and even uh, see if i can put uh, links in past epi- episodes too i yeah. think that would be helpful as well so um keep an eye out for that uh and now we can get back to us i love this movie <laughs> i know that we had been comparing it to get out and i know that we had said not as good of a movie but more entertaining uh, and I know that we both feel like it actually is a great movie. Yeah. Like the only reason we are comparing these two is they're the freshman and sophomore effort of one of our favorite filmmakers. I think the fact that they are different enough to where they are not like stepping on each other's toes theme-wise mm. is good. But I do pick up more on the social commentary that this movie offers because I was able to understand and see things having seen the movie once I, you know, I go back and, and kind of notice certain aspects of it. This movie I think is just operating in a different space than Get Out does still. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But this particular one, the family dynamic and the internal struggle that you see the second time because you know the twist about Lupita Nyong'o, like, yes, I, it's it's just like like the fact that her son is a bit different because he's half her. You know what I mean? He's half tethered because she's a tethered person. Like that is. What do you mean her son's a bit different? Like the kid always walks around wearing a mask and he's kind of like, you know, they, they both have um, social quirks. Like you can tell that, it, it, you know, it kind of makes sense that she is a tethered person and that, you know, that's her son. And they're very similar in a sense. Like he is human and, you know, he was born above, you know what I mean? He like functions as one of the people that's not a tethered, yep. but he's part tethered. But so is the daughter, though. Yeah, you can tell like the connection between the mom and the son, like towards the end, that they that they have like a stronger connection. Uh, yeah, and I think, yeah, I would say it's even stronger at the end too, especially when he's like in the car riding with her, and you can tell he has his suspicions. Like, is that yeah? Like now that I know the truth, is that really my mom? And yeah, um, and it is. I mean, that is his mom. Yeah. Te- yes. Technically, yes. But uh. Like but, that is their family. She just she just got her ass out of there. And like, can you blame the the tethered version, Adelaide? She got herself out of there. Like, like yes, but I, I even said this out loud when uh, when I guess Adelaide is killing Red. I was like, this is actually like a really sad movie. This girl pretty much gets abducted and yeah, cuz Red was actually born, I guess I, it, it kind of gets muddled, but like yeah. Sure she lived with the tethered her whole life, but yeah. She was born above ground. That's fucked up. It is it is it's, <laughs> yeah. it's like a sad story. Something I didn't I completely did not even understand the reference towards was her talking about how they designed the tether to control the people above the ground mm-hmm. like puppets. And then it just didn't work and they abandoned them all down underground. So it's like right. I didn't understand that at first. I just was like, well, I don't know why they're tethered. I don't know what, where they yeah. came from. I just – I don't know. Maybe it's just part of the Twilight Zone story because I feel <laughs> like I brought this up and one of us did in, in take one. But maybe it got cut out. I don't even remember. <laughs> I remember this too. I think it was. the Just the fact that this was 
partially inspired by a Twilight Zone story. So now that I'm sort of recalling what the problems that I had with this movie and how it's really not perfect, but I'm thinking, I'm hoping that now that I understand it better and with a take three where I can really dive into uh, the certain decisions that were made in this movie, I'll be able to appreciate it better. But I just feel like there were a lot of, I'm, I'm remembering now the problems that I had with it, like, um, the, the there was sort of this coincidence motif that didn't really make sense it kind of hinted at this sort of supernatural element um but it didn't really go anywhere after that that i noticed at least i don't know yeah you you said something to me in the movie where when we were watching it and you were like well how is a coincidence like a theme like how does that even work what's the point of a theme if it doesn't like apply to the movie at all i think that was sort of what i had said I think my best answer to that is that what appears like a very weird group of circumstances, them all winding up at the same place as the tethered are, you know, at the same time that like them going to Santa Cruz, the same time that the tethered are going to do the Hands Across America thing and go on their massacre. Yeah. I think that what you could take from it is that a coincidence isn't necessarily a coincidence if other people are pulling the strings and, and that there are things that maybe seem like coincidences to us but actually aren't. And maybe oh, there's yeah. there's more at play. No, that makes sense. You no, know? I mean that – that yeah. So <laughs> thank you. No problem. That was like – that's sort of the, the take three of it all. Um, yeah, and I think – but I, there are also like other – I mean, I know that they they speak of souls and stuff. So yes, there are other. I don't want to say supernatural, but spiritual theme. I, don't know. I just think it, it it goes back to like us not necessarily understanding it at first, and maybe understanding a little bit more now that yeah, uh, these people, the tethered, were designed to basically be uh, methods of control for the people on the surface. Mm -hmm. So it just makes us feel like puppets. Yeah, yeah. Which I recognized, and I picked up on this, I feel like the first time that I watched this movie about this, there's just this random thing that the the daughter said about, uh, they they did you know they put fluoride in the water to control people or something like that? So it was hinted in the beginning. It was kind of given to us, but... Um, oh, yeah. The answers aren't fully given, but you do know that there's like a higher power in some regard. Yeah. Not necessarily referencing like God or something like that. I'm just talking about someone pulling the strings, a puppet master. I hate to keep saying puppets, but because she did, but I, I it's a perfect example though. I think it, it explains it very well. So also I just want to include that Winston Duke is a beautiful person. He's just a beautiful, beautiful man. Inside and out. Yeah. But mostly well, no, I'm I'm sure he's I don't know him, but like out. Um, that's yeah, that's what I really yeah. like. <laughs> He's really funny and he's a good actor and I totally like, – they, they have great chemistry. They don't really get to – if they share any time, it's very limited uh, in Black Panther. I'm really – I think they have great chemistry in this movie. Like I believe them as a familiar unit. Yeah. The tethered visage, like the way that they're dressed up. You had, you had brought up that, you know, you were – uh, uh, like, why haven't I seen people in Halloween costumes for <laughs> us? And it's like the movie came out in March. So this year. Yeah. 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 So, but I hope to see them. Yeah. I'm sure you will. That is such a recognizable, iconic costume. Like I, I almost feel like the, the momentum that this movie has, has sort of died out by this time of the year. And I hope that that people are still uh, hyped about this movie enough to, to keep going. I don't know, but like, 
It's a simple costume. If you can find a red jumpsuit, it's not as simple as like the purge, which I still, I see tons of people, you know, you just wear like a, a funny mask, you know, I'm from yeah. the purge, you know, yeah. but I think that it's simple enough to where I, uh, some people who maybe can't think of a costume or, you know, don't want to <laughs> like have something that's kind of ridiculously expensive or like complicated get some gloves and a red jumpsuit and some scissors but don't go like killing people that's yeah no that's not a good look <laughs> also use of music i think we talked about this and oh yes. take one as well mm-hmm. but the good vibration scene hell yeah when she's just crawling i mean it, it really did i said like i have goosebumps all over my body right now <laughs> the fuck the police song <laughs> like I forgot yeah. how long that went on. Like you oh my hear God, a yeah. lot of that song. That's a that's a uh, intense song. Uh, well, I, I, maybe that was intentional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I definitely yeah it had to have been. Yeah, <laughs> I love you. You mentioned you said the phrase family dynamic. I think, and I, um, I like I forgot how good the chemistry between this main family was yeah. like when they were at the the dinner table and they were all having like fish and Lupita's character was eating strawberries and like it was shot in a way where it, it really felt like a normal family conversation because there was sort of two conversations going on at the same time. The, the family dynamic of these four individuals and the way that they act and the talent that all four of these people have just made for a really believable, loving amazing family yeah and you're rooting for them i was really worried that um i mean for multiple reasons i guess but i was worried that winston duke was gonna get killed when abraham was dragging him out to the boat i'm like oh shit are they gonna get rid of him so it's just kind of <laughs> like lapita fighting you know i always go back when when in horror movies this is something that i i hate being able to do but because trailers show too much but oh, when yeah. a horror movie someone's in peril i always go back to the trailer and i'm like have i seen them in anything else that i haven't yeah. seen them in <laughs> yeah. so at that point i was like blinking i'm like oh my god does wasn't duke die <laughs> but he didn't thankfully i think that the last shot of this movie is one of the greatest Ugh. shots i don't want to ruin the movie that it feels like because it that movie also has an incredible ending do i know this movie do you know what i'm talking about i don't think so there's a movie that's a very slow burn. You showed it to me, and it, at the very end, has a very apocalyptic almost, or not apocalyptic, but like, oh my God, this is happening to a lot of people. Um, uh, is the color red also involved in this yes. movie? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Damn. How do we? <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to bring that up, but don't, because I, you know, I don't yeah. spoil it for anybody, but if you ever, if anybody knows what we're talking about, like, DM us. Don't, uh, don't, make that yeah oh yeah reach out that's a good yeah good good idea reach out to sdms that's what i like was thinking about in this time the first time my jaw was just just wide open i i couldn't believe what i was seeing i mean it was just all of those people and the helicopters and the smoke and that music Mm -hmm. i I mean it's just very powerful but like in the most like fucked up really kind of devastating way way, you know that all of those people uh only got in line after they (laughs) killed their counterpart you know yeah yeah i there's also another thing that i picked up when watching this uh i don't i've always been keen to jump scares i've always been uh sort of against them and i know how a jump scare is typically set up and this movie set up so many jump scares but i really i 
honestly and truly do not think that there was a single one. And I, I think that's great because what it does is it kind of, it was very aware of what makes something suspenseful because right before a jump scare, everything in the movie goes quiet. There's like all of the ambient sounds are turned off. There's no music. So your body kind of like tenses up, like waiting for the moment that something's going to strike. And this movie did that several times. There were a lot of times when the, the, the music got silent and like all the background noise shut off and I was waiting for the jump scare, but it never came. So I was just left with this, like this sort of uneasy feeling the whole time, which I think was really cool. I think that's a really awesome, uh, I don't, I don't know what you want to call it, like a mechanic or something like a, just the way that this movie was able to portray something like thrilling and suspenseful without using that tropey stereotypical jump scare is brilliant in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm going through my head. You're right. Like there, there are a couple of times where, I mean, people jump out at people, but it's not, it's, it's like something you see beforehand. It's not just like, yeah, uh, walking down the hallway. Oh, we're gonna jump out at somebody, you know? Right, and it's it's not accompanied by that big, strong, like orchestral, like uh, I don't even know what you call it, but it's just like a big, like bang or or uh, just this big noise that like jumps. It makes it makes the scene so much louder than it would be if it were real life. Just just to give you that scare, like it's there's none of that in this movie, and yet it's still successful in being suspenseful and thrilling. Totally, it is a movie that deserves a couple of viewings Mm -hmm. um if you did see it in theaters and you were like oh that was good didn't like it as much as get out watch it again because i really think i mean again it's hard to compare them they are so different but like because they are made by the same person and i that opens them up to being compared this is the one i think i will reach for i think get out has such an incredible incredible story has a fantastic twist and is really like funny and interesting and also has a really phenomenal cast too yeah the the casting to these movies is perfect i i just think this movie in particular is just more my kind of movie get out i feel like is a little bit more of a cerebral horror movie i mean definitely um (laughs) this movie feels more like the kind of slashery yeah. kind of thing that I'm more into, you know? Yeah. I mean, Halloween is my favorite movie. I love a, a good home invasion movie or a good human threat. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to jump into the themes because Get Out is so deep. I'm thinking this movie is probably just as deep. I would hope so. I would hope yeah. so. And um, another thing that I'm, I'm sure we'll cover in Take 3, I know walking out of the theater of this movie, I was – I remember feeling almost disappointed because I think the trailer set something up that was so like, it was just going to be the greatest movie of all time. And especially after the success of get out, we now know this director, we know he can make amazing movies. This trailer sold this movie, made it out to be amazing. And I think there were just some things that like, didn't quite make sense. And I left the theater thinking like, Oh, okay. My expectations were too high. Uh, I will say that, and I think the, uh, so we'll bring this up and take three, the, the box office. Well, I, I don't know how well this movie did. I don't know. Oh, I think it did really well. Did it? Yeah. I just, I remember there being discussion about how I think people had expectations for this movie and it didn't quite meet those expectations. I don't think people hated this movie. I just don't think it was as well received as it was predicted to. Um, but I think if you put some distance in between 
your first watching of it and and like now or maybe even uh, some distance between watching Get Out and this movie, you can appreciate this movie so much more. I think I think that's what we needed. That's what I needed, at least, is to just kind of separate myself from it. Like, I understand the story. I kind of know the twist about it. And coming back and seeing it again, it, you, you see it with fresh eyes. And it's it's way, way better than than my first viewing, I can I can say for certain. Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree when it comes to multiple viewings. I think that that is very important. This is crazy. I'm just going to talk about it now because you brought it up. They okay. almost made like the exact same amount of money at the box office. $255 million worldwide. Both you mean of them. both movies or it made almost as much as it would, it cost to like make? Like Us and Get Out both separately made $255 million worldwide. Wow. How much did this movie cost? I can't um, imagine too much. Just about $20 million. I mean, you always have to take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, that's what yeah, they're going to yeah. claim. Advertising is is different. But uh, actually, this movie opened over twice as much as Get Out did. Get Out only opened in the $30 million range. Oh, wow. And this movie opened with like over $70 million. Hmm. I don't think it was was rated as highly. Probably some of it is based off the strength of Get Out that people are like, oh my God, I want to want to see what he does next, you know? And, you know, plus the trailer that was just probably one of the most well-constructed trailers yeah. I think yeah. that has ever existed. To like finish out this uh, enormous take two, uh, do we know what Jordan Peele's next project is? I know that he was teasing something about Akira or... Directing wise, no. He has a lot of things that he's producing right now. He is actually a producer, an executive producer on the Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. We had asked that in take one. Um, oh, he is wow. producing the new Candyman. I don't really think it's a remake because they confirmed that um, the main guy is back. That Tony Todd would be back. Right. But yeah, he's working in television and doing movies. I think that this might be the case, and I hope it's the case. I hope that he doesn't feel like he has to go and direct and write and produce, you know, a movie right off the bat. I want him to only do that when he has a good idea. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like... Like, yes, selfishly, <laughs> yeah, I would love him to just get to work, but... Um, I want him to have good ideas to, every year. <laughs> just what? like one good idea every year would be yeah. good things. <laughs> I want Jordan Peele to take the time that he needs, come up with a really dope story, produce and direct it, and knock our socks off again like these two movies have no i i agree i just i want i want that now take three so you just became an uncle that's really exciting i did yes i did congratulations to your brother and your sister-in-law on the birth of their first son congratulations to your entire family i don't know i don't know which of them listens and which of them um doesn't but well they didn't do anything the idea of just <laughs> having a new addition to the family. I, that's really I cool. Know. And he's I'm a really cute kidding. baby. <laughs> he is. He's adorable. And it's. I think it's funny because people congratulate me when I tell them. And I'm like, I didn't, I had no hand in the process at all. <laughs> yeah, that would be really weird if you did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this turned um, weird. But like, I know that we talked about before you and I, I don't think like on the show or anything, just that like babies tend to look odd when they're born and it's like babies you don't know look odd but babies that you do know it's like oh my god they're adorable you know what i mean like stranger babies look weird but like stranger babies do look weird and i think like fresh babies i think they need a couple months to like dry out because they look like soggy 
old men. (laughs) But once they get some baby fat and once they get like that sort of like they're just happy no matter what and they're just always smiling, that's when they're really cute. And I'm eager for uh, for this baby to to get to that point, because right now he just feels so fragile. Like I, I've not held like a day old baby before, and it is so little. He's yeah, so not many people have. I mean, that's so like tiny. Yeah, he's so tiny. I feel like I'm gonna break him, but I and I, I I also realized like I was in the hospital uh, and holding him for the first time. I don't think I could ever be a parent to a human baby because like any noise that it makes, I'm like, oh my god, it's choking. Or like if it twitches a certain way, I'm like, okay, he's having a seizure. Like yeah, what do I do? It's and too I just scary. The, it's just too nerve-wracking. I've always loved the idea of, like, being able to give the baby back. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. being oh, yeah. able to enjoy it for a few minutes and then be like, mm-hmm. okay, bye. Diaper needs to be changed. That's yeah. your job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I will spoil the shit out of this kid. But he, um, but he's he's beautiful. And um, yeah, congratulations to everyone involved. Mm-hmm. He's very loved. Yeah. Okay, so us. There's a lot of stuff that I want to talk about. I mean, like, yes, indeed. this was one, I think it was pretty easy to um, to gather this research because there was a lot of stuff I wanted to discuss, I guess. Do you feel the same way? I feel the same way, and I feel like there's, I don't want to say there's almost too much, but this is definitely a movie made with the purpose of making you think. It's not really, like there's one message throughout. It's sort of like there are many messages and there can be many messages and it's up to you to figure out like what they mean to you. And it's very open-ended, which is not a bad thing. It's just, uh, it makes sort of nailing down research kind of difficult, but I still found out a lot as well. And I'm excited to share them. Uh, This is, I think our 23rd episode. If I'm going to be wrong, I'm going to sound stupid, but, um, (laughs) I mean, going in, we've definitely done ones that are like, oh, we could probably cover the majority of the stuff that there is to know about this. And then there are other movies where it's like, like, like The Shining comes to mind. Our episode could could have been six hours and we wouldn't have been able to cover it all. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that this one is also something that people will, I hope, I, and it seems to be indicative of that, uh, that I think people will wind up researching and analyzing this thing for years to come oh for sure for sure for sure absolutely okay first thing i want to say and i've just been watching interviews and reading stories and stuff and i obviously knew what this guy looked like beforehand but i just want to say jordan peele is so sexy like yeah i love this man (laughs) yeah he's brilliant and that is attractive as well but he's yeah he looks good. I feel like anytime I've seen him, he plays these wacky characters. Either I realized I realized this uh, later on that he was actually he started on Mad TV, or that was like one of the first things that he did was was being a sketch artist on Mad TV. Yeah, and then sketch artist, not sketch artist. You know what I mean? Uh, but then um, in his Key and Peele show, I feel like he's always sort of sometimes he's in a costume, but he's always sort of clean shaven and made up but in the interviews that i saw for this he looks good with like his glasses and some scruff on his face yeah he's got a beard yeah 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 Yeah. i completely agree amen so okay try (laughs) to turn down my thirst while i talk about the rest of this shit (laughs) okay well something that i definitely wanted to say is it's actually something that went completely over my head 
I can't believe I didn't bring this up to the degree, at least that I wanted to in take two, is that how this movie is such a a commentary on social class. And I take back what I said about this movie being less of a social commentary because I think I was just too white privileged to see it. And -hmm. and even that, I think that aspect of, of me being oblivious of some of the points that this movie makes is indicative of what the movie is trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Like in this movie, there is a whole society that thrives above ground and then another identical society that feeds on our scraps, you know? Like the only difference is circumstantial. Each group is only the way it is because of means beyond their control. And if you look at it this way, the movie is more about the ignored class rising up and making themselves known. Like rather than anything that the people above ground are doing. You know what I mean? I mean, when Red gets dragged down to the world of the tethered, she sparks an uprising, but it's because she knows firsthand how good the people on the surface have it compared to those below. And while Red winds up being a martyr and dies for her cause, uh, her death recontextualizes this movie kind of because because the heroic journey of saving her family that Adelaide has doesn't really seem quite as heroic anymore. I mean, again, you can't blame her for wanting to get out of her terrible situation as a child, but her arc in this film is essentially stealing someone else's identity while dooming that individual at a young age, mm-hmm. living for decades seemingly unaffected by this act, <laughs> and then upon meeting the doomed person again, murdering their entire family. And it's just like... <laughs> It makes things so much more complicated, and I think that was was so special about this film and Jordan Peele as a filmmaker. Like in this and in Get Out, uh, his twist just feels so organic that it's hard to even recognize the implications of them at first. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, (laughs) thank you. Yeah, I mean, this movie is very clearly about privilege and how easy it is to forget about those less fortunate. And how it's understandable how uh, that someone on the lower end may feel so stuck and so ignored that the only way that in their view, the only way to get to the other side is through violence or breaking the law. I mean, these people, the tethered, um, as they call them, saw the only way to take their rightful place on the outside was or as killing their counterpart, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. We may see them as like these violent monsters, but they're really just humans playing the hands that they were dealt, you know? Like nobody chose to be tethered under gray, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There's such like a a the motif of shadows, just even like when you go back and look at the trailer, like the shot of them walking across the beach. Yeah, and that's in the movie. Yeah. 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 It's it's just like kind of like wait, what do you mean it's it's just in the movie? Well, you said the the scene in the trailer, and I'm like, well, that was one of my points that I was going to bring up was the scene in the movie. <laughs> like, it's it's not just from the trailer. Like, it was oh no, no, no. I, yeah, I know, but like the fact that like I was just rewatching the trailer and oh, thinking yeah. about you know specific shots, and I think that this particular one, you know, they they bring up the idea of you know a girl in her shadow, mm-hmm. um, but like having to kind of just follow in line behind the people that you know get to live in the sun it's just so like it's heavy it's a very it's a heavy it's a very dark and disturbing and heavy message i think at the same time though it's i think it's less about 
a, a general sense of a contrast in classes, but I think it's very specifically about privilege in America. And there are so many reasons why that like it, it was so very specifically pointed to American culture. You have the hands across America thing. That's yeah. obvious. You have the idea that uh, this is really only an American thing. This is only the American government that's been doing this. It's that you can't really, I don't think that this is happening all around the world because I can't imagine that it's only happening in America. Yeah. yeah. Um, I saw some research. There were some videos and stuff that I found that, uh, that talk about the sort of symbols in this movie, the literal symbols. And they say that I'm not sure if this is true. I'd have to fact check this, but uh, they, the scissors that the tethered use, I don't think actually kill anyone. Is that true? trying to think um, i'm thinking maybe with elizabeth moss's family maybe the scissors were used but i think maybe in the main family yeah those are the only ones that i'm thinking i think that elizabeth moss may have been stabbed with the scissors right right but the main family none of, a all of them killed themselves which i think was great like they killed their own doppelgangers yeah. which i thought was like a really clever thing in the movie but they were all killed with sort of materialistic symbols of america uh, namely a baseball bat <laughs> um, <laughs> a golf club a uh, very expensive boat and car. Well, not an expensive boat, but like a boat and a car. That's really also, clever. Yeah, the Alexa that wasn't able to call the police. Uh, and then there is also something that mentioned that like the movie's called Us, which is spelled U.S. Yeah. <laughs> so that's sort of a, I thought, a very clever thing if that was intentional. And uh, she asks them like, who are you? And she says, we're yeah. Americans. She, yep. That's yeah, yeah. Yeah. She responds. We're Americans, not we're tethered or like, we're mm-hmm. you. It's, she says literally, that's how she introduces herself. She says, we are Americans. Yeah. And it's interesting because there were some, uh, some parallels with this and get out. I think this is sort of a very heavy theme that Jordan Peele wants to, uh, portray or to showcase Convey, because the same, yeah. The same thing sort of happened in Get Out because I think the weapons that were used to kill people were um, a bocce ball, a buck head, like a, a trophy. Oh, head, yeah. Like the that is a cool death in that movie. Yeah. And a lacrosse stick. Yeah. So I think that's this is something that Jordan Peele feels is very important and it, it very much shows. A filmmaker that thinks it out that much that is that is really making it his mission to say something with just the minutia. That's a filmmaker that's going to have a career with true longevity, even after you know he retires. I think his movies will last. I cannot wait until he becomes like the next Hitchcock. I think <laughs> I think he is like that level, impressive and amazing and genius. Yeah, I mean, he really does have a good start. I think we're going in a direction that I think that he could wind up being very successful, and he's clearly going to. Uh, continue working because these movies are really successful. I can, I've uh, already spoken about the box office to a degree, but I just wanted to reiterate some things. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically us and get out <laughs> made just around 175 million domestic and 255 million worldwide, which is like really odd that a movie, like two movies made back to back by the same person would make the exact same amount of money. <laughs> like it's good that he's got a clear audience yeah. uh, that saw this after Get Out, but it's crazy how similar these numbers are. Uh, but this ultimately means that uh, with a combined budget of $24.5 million, Get Out costing 4 and a half, and this movie costing 20 
this man's movies have grossed over half a billion dollars. Like, that is fantastic. That especially is Especially when you're considering that not only are these his first and second movies, but they're both original properties. You know, there's so many movies nowadays that are based on something. And I'm not complaining because I have, you know, I love movie adaptations of different things, of comic books, of books, of video games, of all kinds of stuff like that. I'm, I'm so happy that we have been able to find a way to successfully adapt things. But when something comes along like this, and it's just really kind of its own thing. It, it yeah. feels like it just came out of his head. Sure, yeah, it's yeah. influenced by certain things, but like this is an original Jordan Peele, you know? It just and it's not like, a sequel. It's not like characters yeah. we already know and this is just their next chapter. Like these are, yeah, I can I can definitely appreciate that as well. When it reaches that level, it just feels a little bit more special in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, It's less expected, less taken for granted, I suppose. Now, I know this is something that you've thought about as well as something that I've thought about. And I was like, okay, I need to look up this movie's, you know, uh, awards chances. I need to figure out (laughs) what we're looking at here. I wanted to ask if you knew what a Britannia Award is. I don't feel bad because I didn't either. (laughs) I don't, actually. Okay. So basically, there are these awards presented by BAFTA LA. And so BAFTA is the British Academy of Film and Television Arts, and they have their own award ceremony called the BAFTAs, which is essentially the British Oscars. Those I'm familiar with. Yes, those I've heard of. So, But uh, the Britannia Awards are seen as a bridge between Hollywood and British uh, production and entertainment business communities. So that's what, you know, that's how it's quoted. Um, And so BAFTA LA is obviously a a section of BAFTA that exists in Los Angeles. And um, they give out only a few awards. But in 2019, like for this year of filmmaking, um, Lupita Nyong'o is going to present Jordan Peele with the John Schlesinger uh, Britannia Award for Excellence in Directing. They only give out about like six or seven awards each year. And they're normally an excellence in a specific field. And he's getting the excellence in directing one this year. Which I thought was wow. really cool. Yeah. That yeah. is really cool. So from what I'm hearing, like that's a clear sign that Universal is going to push an awards campaign for Peel and us. So we're going to see pretty soon if it has any chance of reemerging into the conversation. There are pros and cons for it. Like, sure, it came out earlier in the year, and that's problematic. But Get Out also came out kind of, you know, around springtime. So that was – and it lasted. It did wind up getting him an Oscar. So, you know, a movie can – normally you want to position your movie in the fall to give it, like, optimal uh, awards chances just because that's award season. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some movies do do last. So, yeah, I'm hopeful. I think I, re- I would really – love to see this at least you know maybe get recognition with the golden globes or even just have a a decent awards push um universals normally like uh, studios in general are normally you know they obviously have a whole uh department for these kinds of things and if they want you know they really assess like whether a movie has a, a genuine chance or not so even if they think enough of this movie just to push it regardless of whether or not it actually gets any nominations or gets any traction i think that would that's just saying something about the the type of filmmaker that peel is now that he's he's awards friendly yeah and so that's that's really good in my opinion 
another little thing, I guess, is just bringing up, I know uh, that a lot of people probably went home and uh, Googled what Jeremiah 11.11 was. <laughs> yes. Um, but I just want to say it here for people who don't know. It says, therefore, thus says the Lord, uh, behold, I will surely bring calamity on them which they will not be able to escape. And though they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. So, and if you go back a little bit uh, in to the 10th verse in, in Jeremiah 11, he's talking about, uh, a, a, I guess, a group of people that were like worshiping false idols. And and and, and I think it, it is maybe a commentary on like uh, materialism, how, you know, the, the upper, I don't know if you would consider these people like upper class, like they have beach houses and things like that. So yeah, kind of like they're not like, billionaires or whatever but they're like at least upper middle Mm -hmm. you know um they they weren't like driving like it's it's hard to kind of tell exactly like their their class status or whatever in this but well let me say this they were well off yeah i think certainly upper middle class for the main family but i think there was a very specific choice to make elizabeth moss's family just like a little bit um more wealthy. I feel like oh, there's, yeah. I feel like there's always some kind of competition between uh, Gabriel and uh, the other family. Cause he, he's, there was discussion of a boat and then he shows up with the boat and there's always yeah. uh, the talk about uh, their brand new car and uh, their house is like so much. It's this like beautiful, modern glass windows everywhere. The guy's in a robe and he's just kind of chilling out and, and their marriage sucks. Like it's, they yeah. hate each other. This is very clearly a distinct choice. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, you, you see that verse and you think, okay, well, that's a scary verse. There are some scary Bible verses. Um, <laughs> that is a, that's, the book is full of horror. <laughs> yeah, and there's like some, yeah, yeah. Like especially Old Testament, uh, that's, that's, <laughs> that is a, uh, a very spooky <laughs> um, group of books. I wonder, (laughs) so I follow a lot of reading groups because I am a big reader and I always see like, oh, must reads for this season. And I have yet to see the Bible on one of them, but that would be, (laughs) (laughs) that'd be funny. You, my mom and I all had dinner the other night. My mom was telling me on the way home, uh, he asked me what the scariest book I've ever read was. And uh, I don't, I think she, she had trouble reading it. We've definitely talked about it on this show, but like my mom reads like and a book a day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but she'll read stuff that I enjoy, like Stephen King stuff and, and you know, more like crime stuff. But then she'll also read stuff that it's like sappy and stuff I'm not, you know. So her not being able to right offhand pull out a really scary book is understandable to me. But as I was driving home, uh, I was trying to think of like the scariest book I've read. And uh, nothing really came to mind, but the Bible. <laughs> scary. There's some scary parts in the Bible. Some yeah. good parts. There's some definitely some good parts, but it's also kind of um, <laughs> alarming. <laughs> I think this movie is full of religious references, that being one of the more obvious ones. But I want to um, go into some of the... Because the names of both the tethered and the above ground characters uh, have religious sort of components to them as well. Some interesting things that I found out, Pluto, which is the uh, tethered sun mm-hmm. in Roman mythology is the God of the underworld. So you can't get more like on point than that. Like what yeah. is, 
what is like he loves fire and you know god of the underworld so i just figured that was very fitting abraham who is uh, the tethered father is uh, abraham means father of many uh, and zora comes from the slavic word for dawn and umbre comes from the latin word for shadow so we're playing with like light and dark there. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I thought that was very, very cool. And of course, Gabriel, who's the the name of the uh, Winston Duke's character, you know, that has obvious roots as well. So um, definitely, yeah, those were very intentional. Clearly, yeah, like there are some really dope tethered characters' names. If you just go through, like they all, like every tethered character you see, you know, has a cool name. Yeah, yeah. Like the the uh, the twins are Io and Nix. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the hell that means, but like, I thought that was cool. Yeah, <laughs> I did. There was an article, and I'll I'll link it in the in the in the notes as well. But uh, there, it, it outlines sort of all of the names, and a lot of them were very like, oh, we don't really know where this came from, but uh, maybe it has something to do with this obscure reference. And I didn't quite get all of them. I feel like a lot of them were a stretch. But if you would like to explore more, the the link is in the notes as well. I, you know, like yes, they so probably some are stretches, but like. Just knowing who we're dealing with, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if they all meant something. Yeah, George but Hill I loves that shit. Yes, but I feel like at this point, I, maybe it's just so personal to him that it's not really that obvious to the general public. Or yeah. maybe just someone hasn't discovered course, it yet. Course, I don't yeah. know, but the, at least the examples that that article gave, I was like, uh, I don't know if I buy that. But <laughs> it's still an interesting read nonetheless. Yeah. So you had brought up just a little bit ago the Hands Across America thing, and that was obviously – I mean I, I knew it had, had happened, but it was not something that I knew very much about. So I went and did some research on it, and I wanted to tell you what I found. So I saw an interview uh, where Jordan Peele said that he was strongly influenced by the Hands Across America stunt in the 1980s. It was basically a public event on Sunday, May 25th of 1986, where 6.5 million people – held hands for 15 minutes uh, in an attempt to form a continuous human chain across the United States, uh, which I guess is the 48 contiguous states. Because you know, <laughs> um, It's funny, actually. They, they had uh, – this is kind of separate, but they did actually have a hands across Hawaii thing because they're like, Hawaii is a state too, like no. a separate thing. It was basically to raise money for homeless and hungry people. Right, um, right. And it was sponsored by USA for Africa, which is the same organization that produced the, we are the world. We are, you know what I mean? So yeah, 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 this was that kind of like almost too cheesy to like believe it was real, but you know it's, that it was real, you know what I yeah, mean? Like before yeah. our time. It's um, very tacky. This yeah. whole thing just, just bleeds <laughs> tacky. Uh, but, like, it's, you know, certainly well-intentioned. Uh, yeah. <laughs> while they had planned to raise between, like, 50 and 100 million, they only wound up raising 34, and uh, only about half of that was given out to charity because the event actually cost so much. Yeah, yeah, they put more money into the publicity than the yeah. event itself. Like, it's just they spent as much as they got, which was crazy. Yeah. And, like, uh, basically participants would donate, you know, a nominal fee, probably somewhere around, like, $20, $30. And um, they would reserve their spot in line, and they would go out there and hold hands for 15 minutes. Yeah. But, like, what is interesting to me, and I thought was kind of, like, maybe poking holes in this thing. Again, I think it's well-intentioned. I think it was, like, really 
valiant effort to try to bring people together and raise awareness of this. I don't know how effective it wound up being. Um, but there also wasn't at any point a continuous chain of hands stretching ocean <laughs> to ocean because the terrains like mountains and deserts, there were obviously breaks. It'd be impossible. Yeah. 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 And I was thinking about that. I'm like, wow, like, you know, cause okay, obviously you guys have seen the movie, you know, there, are, these people at the very end of it are, are, are holding hands across like mountains and going over hills and shit yeah. like that. Um, yeah. I mean, that's certainly that's, that's believable, but maybe like not out in the desert in May. You know what I mean? We have a lot of desert. We have a lot of bodies of water. Yeah. But Jordan Peele had commented on it saying that he thought, you know, it was notable because, again, while it was well-intentioned, it seemed more like a way of not dealing with the real issue. Yep. Uh, And I think that really plays into the theme of obliviousness in the film and how easy it is to believe that you've solved an issue or that there isn't one or just not to even think about an issue when it doesn't wind up affecting your day to day. Yeah. Or like maybe even the, cause I feel the things that I read about Jordan Peele's experience and motivations for putting hands across America in the movie, he's, it seemed more of like a negative thing to him. It was sort of like, uh, yes, there's this uh, facade of perfection that that is shown to us, but really underneath it all, it's sort of like we're spending all this money on commercialism and trying to advertise it and getting it out there. And I feel like that's very applicable today with like social media and everyone just reblogging and posting headlines and stuff without really understanding or um, it, it's sort of only raising awareness it's yeah, like it's people yeah. recognize the problems but aren't really doing much to fix them so there's that's, definitely think, something to be said for like the magnitude at which something can be shared now yeah and yep, discussed yep. and i think a lot of people think that that's enough yeah oh yeah of they can see their reach they can see mm-hmm. that oh i have so many followers and 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 i shared this thing and it's yep. it's now being seen by all of them like yeah. What like, good is that? There needs to be follow up. Yep. Yep. Like I'm aware of that and therefore I've done my part or I'm better yet. I'm aware of it and everyone else knows that I'm aware of it. And therefore like I have a part in fixing it and that's not at all the case. Yeah. And uh, I, I have a quote from Peel. He says, when you have something idyllic and beautiful and sort of perfect, that's where the true horror lies. In this movie, it's to present the shining, happy, hands across America version of our culture with the promise of darkness underneath. And I just thought that that was amazing. It really is. Um, yeah. So like, what a great, what a great theme. Totally agree. Another thing I wanted to bring up was that Jordan Peel references a we talked about it that Jordan Peele references a Twilight Zone episode. Uh, there's a an episode called Mirror Image. It's basically a woman is in a bus station and she sees a woman. Like, first of all, things start seeming weird. Um, there are people that are like, oh, you just came up to me. And she's like, what? Like, everybody's losing it. And then she actually <laughs> sees a woman who is literally her doppelganger and she freaks out. And the idea is that she may be crazy or maybe there's something a little bit more unbelievable going on. And it deals with the idea of doppelgangers and one replacing the other to kind of steal its life. And it's actually very interesting. Not one of its – not one of their best, I would say, like written episodes. Um, I, You know, I liked the characters but I think by the end of it, it just kind of was like, Meh. But I really liked the concept of it. I think, you know, something could be done and something was done with that idea, which I applaud for sure. And it, it actually um, 
made me want to I know we've watched a couple of Twilight Zone episodes together, but I want to watch more. I was gonna say, and I'm not even talking about the the uh the remake that Jordan Peele has a hand in now. The the original, I believe it's on Netflix now, the original Twilight Zone episodes, they hold up today. Like they they are still so good. I've I think we only watched like maybe four or five, but like I loved every single one of them, and I certainly plan on when I get some time. Uh, continuing with them and watching you them all. You were reacting time. more uh, positively than I would have ever expected you to, to oh react God. to something that old. They're so, and same, like they, I just, they have such, like they're beautiful. They're stories that yeah. I had never really come across before. And I just, they hold up. They're really, really amazing. I, the one that comes to mind is the one that, that so far that we've seen, uh, the one where the guy is trying to kind of like, skirt death death keeps yes. coming and visiting him i it's really like so that episode good. wound up being like really sweet and yes and they're, like they're not all scary they're not all like horror themes some of them are really sweet and genuine and they have really great stuff watch them <laughs> watch yeah. them they're great i plan on doing so and i've yet to see one where i'm like consistently rolling my eyes i think my just watching them with you just the couple that we did watch together i was more like expecting you to be rolling your eyes because again you know this stuff came out decades and decades and decades ago, but because I'm petty, but that kind of goes back to, I know I always talk about the shining and how, you know, I didn't like it. Cause like it, it wasn't because it was dated because there are things that exist out there that are dated, but still hold up uh, rear window. We did an episode on that. I still think that's a great movie. Uh, the twilight zone episodes, great movies. Like I, there are things out there that still work today and I highly recommend that you go check them out if you have the time. Yeah, for sure. So I know you're going to get uh, into this later on in the episode, but we had some listener feedback from several people actually. And yeah. I know one of them was from one of our aunts, Kayleen over at We Explain Movies, whom we love. Uh, we love all three of you. We you mention them all the time. If you aren't listening to them, shame on you. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> get out uh, of here. <laughs> but, uh, I, she had brought up, uh, we, you know, we love this movie. We have so much to discuss. We're always discussing it. And one thing that we couldn't figure out was the rabbits. Like what, what do these rabbits mean? Is there any way that you could tell us more about the rabbits? Yeah. The and, quote was, please tell us what the bunnies represent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so something, uh, that I thought was interesting was, uh, first to mention there was in the, the zoom out shot of the rabbits in the cages, there are 11 columns of cages, so the number 11 is very, very ah, prevalent in this bitch. movie. Yeah. Uh, I think it's interesting that Zora's clothing, she had on like two outfits, I think, and one had an actual white rabbit on it. The other one was uh, the word though, T-H-O, on her sweatshirt, and that is Vietnamese for rabbit. That's the Vietnamese word for rabbit. <laughs> it is. It is. I'm serious. Uh, Jordan Peele is like extra as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the way I saw it, it was sort of this theme of rebirth. I think it's kind of common knowledge how often and frequent <laughs> rabbits reproduce. Yeah. Uh, and sort of it's kind of reflected as the tethered kind of make their way to the surface. It's sort of this being reborn and and multiplying, I guess. Um, I think it is a distinct reflection of the whole test subject narrative. I think, you know, animals are tested on all the time, unfortunately. Rabbits being probably of the more common animals that are being tested on. And since this is like a whole government testing facility. It just, it kind of seems appropriate. Definitely. I thought I like, I always got like a very, even from the trailer, I was like, are you telling us that these are clones? And I'm like, 
Well, I kind of like honestly, I didn't even really get it until this rewatching, like for this movie, when I actually yeah. understood what they were saying. They kind of are, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like government tested, you know. Pretty much. Yeah. And I read somewhere that uh, it's efficient to have rabbits just because of how quickly they reproduce. So that like meals are not scarce <laughs> at any time. Uh, Do people and I, eat rabbits? What? Do people eat rabbits? These people do. I'm saying like oh, a, I understand. Okay, I get you. The tethered yeah. would. Yeah. Do, shoot, do like regular people just eat rabbits though? I mean, probably in in the south. I would. Assume. Oh yeah, I guess if you cook a rat. I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But like, still, that's huh. <laughs> to me. That's like eating a cat. Like I don't know. It's like rabbits are like. Well, like people eat like alligator and snake. And that is different. They're like reptiles. I am not a vegetarian. I'm sorry if you're a vegetarian. <laughs> I, like, I guess it's not different, but like, like if it's fluffy. Okay, never mind. Continue. Anyway, uh, there were several instances where Jordan Peele mentioned how terrifying he thought rabbits were. He said rabbits, if they could talk, would have the brains of sociopaths. Uh, he says that they creep him out. He quoted to have said things like, they're adorable, but they terrify me at the same time. They got those scissor-like ears that creep me out. Yeah. Which is, you know, the callback to the the tethered's weapon of choice. And I've also read a lot that it that could have a lot to do with, like, the uh, a reference to Alice in Wonderland. The idea of sort of being pulled in or lured into this sort of underground world by a white rabbit. Uh, I think, oh my god! Yeah. I oh my god! That I thought that good. was a clever theme. Why did that never occur to me? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm glad you're here because I'm stupid. <laughs> not I swear stupid. to God, some but, things did not occur to me at all. Yeah, and there are rabbits all over this film. There's one in um, I think Lupita Nyong'o's character goes down to the basement and finds uh, like some memory box that has like a stuffed rabbit in it. And that, you know, she, I think she had a very big reaction to that. I think in the, uh, not a big reaction, but she was very moved by, by seeing that rabbit, which is kind of a callback to say that, Oh, you know, she, she certainly remembers her time, her time in the underground. So I totally like, I remember that whole time when she's down there, just like the whole kind of like latter half of the film. It's like, why are you acting this way? Why are you so like, yeah. Like, sure of yourself? Why do you know exactly where you're going? Like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? And it still just didn't occur to me Yeah, uh, and what it's, actually had happened. It's baffling to me how many sources online I've found that say things like, like, uh, Reddit discussion, did Lupita Nyong'o actually remember that she was, you know, that she swapped it out? Like, oh, did she, like... This whole thing was just her trying to remember the situation. I'm like, no, this was so clear from the very beginning that like I don't like she that was, idea. Me it's, neither. Me neither. Yeah. Like it's it's so clear and so obvious with her a reactions, her acting, her facial expressions about uh, different things that happen in the movie that like she knows what's coming for her. It's she's that's hiding. Yeah, yeah. She's terrified of this beach. Like it's it's very clear. I don't I don't buy that theory for a second. It does make it. Again, more interesting on the rewatch because you can her apprehension is not because she's just like afraid of the trauma. It's because yeah. she knows what she fucking did. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like that's oh God. Can we also say, like, I you know, obviously, uh, we're a podcast that's more partial to Winston Duke and um Jordan Peele, but Lapita Nyango is also gorgeous. <laughs> Stunning. She's Stunning. absolutely beautiful. 
Can you? Do you have any idea where she's from originally? She's not British, is she? You know, it's funny. She's actually from Mexico, but she's of Kenyan descent. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> Kenyan, Mexico. Like, so she, uh, I think um, she was raised uh, in Kenya, and um, but she was born in Mexico. Gotcha. So that's cool. I love her accent. I love like that. The that accent is just like that's like, yeah. That's the why way she really talks. That's so why cool. I asked. Yeah, because I I'd seen some interviews with her, and I was like, oh, she has a bit of an accent. And that's I wasn't sure where she was from. Well, so. I like there are definitely um, there are actresses that I think are better at hiding their accents than others, and I think yeah. she's fantastic oh, she, at it. So it it brilliant. never comes across like. Um, her her right next to Tony Collette. I think Tony Collette probably wins because she is Australian and you would never, ever know that. Yeah, um, yeah. But they're both brilliant. They're both brilliant at it. We should do like a quick take someday. Like this would be fun to just <laughs> um, to like see because like there are certain people that I'm thinking, oh, I, I, you know, I don't know if they have an accent. Like I think I was really kind of surprised to find out that Spider-Man has an accent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's good at it too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, it's like you just wouldn't think because so many people, like, I can't do an accent to save my life. But so many <laughs> people make their careers acting, uh, at, you know, and 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 voicing a different accent. Yeah. You yeah. know, like the Game of Thrones cast. Sure, they all have different accents, but they're all like somewhat faking the accents too. <laughs> like uh, there are a couple of them that that are doing different. You know, and they've been doing it for. Uh, 10 years on a TV show and people have no idea what they sound like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. I love hearing, um, British or European people do an American accent, but I cannot stand when I know someone is like from America trying to do a British accent. Yeah. We're doing V for Vendetta very soon. And that is like the number, that is the only problem I have with that movie is Natalie Portman's accent. I hate it. <laughs> I cannot stand it. But aside from that, I um, love Natalie Portman though. <laughs> I do too. Oh, I love her. I love her. I just don't think like, I don't know. She shouldn't have had an accent in that movie. There's two more semi big things that I thought were probably the most interesting of my research. Um, actually, I'm going to give the lesser of the ones because I'm not sure I buy this, but I think it's interesting to bring up nonetheless. There's a theory running that the mother was not the only one to be swapped. There's a theory that the son was also swapped. Um, what's his name? Not Pluto. Pluto was the tethered. Jason. Jason. Uh, yeah, so the the son, they think, because he's... I didn't really realize this until I got into my research, but you mentioned something in take two about how he was a little bit off. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about because they, both of the kids would be off if this was like a tethered issue. But then I, I went back and looked at some of the scenes and there are some like, I think he's just sort of different. I think he's like, he's, it has different interests. He's not like, yeah. um, he's a creative. Like I grew up as creative. I didn't think that that was that like <laughs> outlandish. Um, but you didn't, but, you didn't do, you didn't run around with a mask on your head and crawl. I don't know. Like, no, but I also had, like, I had my quirks growing up. I just yeah, thought it was like course. a quirky kid. Anyway. I didn't. Anyway, um, there is a theory that it happened in a previous summer where the suns switched. And, uh, there's several times when he's using this like new language that his parents are surprised to hear. This happened several times. I think he swears in the car and at the table, he goes, I don't know, this thing's kind of bullshit. And they are just like, like, like it's the worst thing in the world. So we're trying to like, where did this language come from? Um, he has this magic trick that he can't really seem to master. All the while, his doppelganger underground is 
doing the same thing, but he's using actual fire and ended up burning his face. And that's why he can't really talk. Uh, And also on the beach, uh, he was, you'd think that a kid was building like sandcastles, but these, oh my God, I wanted to bring this up. The two twins on the beach, all they could do was cartwheels. That's all they were doing that whole scene. (laughs) It was just like, they were just doing a million cartwheels. And, uh, the result of one of these cartwheels was knocking down whatever he was building. And they said, Oh, sorry. What was that? And he said tunnels. Uh He didn't say a castle. He said, Oh, they were just tunnels. So I think it's, it's a little bit off. There are a lot of things that like, if it, if it happened in recent years, there's no reason for Pluto to be so animalistic. Like he crawls on the ground and snarls. I, I feel like he'd be old enough to sort of know that that wasn't okay. Uh, there are a lot of things pointing to the idea that this probably isn't the case, but I think there's too much to not consider that maybe something is off. I think. Yeah. No, that um, ma- it makes total sense. Yeah. I think that there there could also be like a school of thought. It doesn't necessarily like support or it, it just kind of made me think of this. Uh, like there's like a school of thought that maybe Pluto's not like that because Jason's like that, but. Jason's like that because Pluto's like it's kind of like the which came first the chicken or the egg yeah. that maybe it really is these tethered people that are the ones um, making the like the kind of like decisions or you know like they're the ones that are really influencing the people on the um yeah, yeah. on the top so uh, him being so animalistic and and screwed up and scarred is why Jason feels the need to hide his face and yeah yeah exactly you know. So. Yep. Yep. And there's 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 talk about uh, reactions of, uh, of Red and Adelaide, uh, where you know the, the I guess Pluto was about to die, and Adelaide was like, "Oh no!" Like it's she had a reaction to that, and the fact that Red didn't kill Jason right away, and because it's really her kid, kind of thing. I'll yeah. link the video in the description. You can figure that out yourself if you want. Um, I just think this movie's hard to keep track of. Like, okay which like first because of the fact that like we get that last minute kind of like switcheroo where it's like yeah. red is actually the it it calls for rewatching for it sure abs- just to yeah. be able to keep track of like okay what should be your motivation right now yeah you know? considering we know who you are now yeah exactly and but i think that the ending was absolutely supposed to be sort of ambiguous and not spelled out for us i think it was certainly supposed Definitely. to be left up to interpretation and i'm glad i'm glad oh absolutely um the last thing i thought was super cool this is probably my favorite thing that i found if you look at the VHS tapes on the sides of the TV in the beginning that shows the Hands Across America commercial as well as the, I think, it is, what is it, Santa Cruz? Santa, Santa Cruz, yeah. Uh, the Beach, The Boardwalk. There's a couple of movies that stand out. The first being The Man with Two Brains. It's a Martin, not Martin Short. Steve Martin. Steve Martin movie, yes. Yeah. Uh, it's about a brain surgeon who's able to telepathically communicate with a brain, like a dismembered, disembodied brain in a jar. And uh, I think the really funny quote that came from this is he says, I can envision a day when the brains of brilliant men can be kept alive in the bodies of dumb people. Yeah. (laughs) Does that not ring the biggest bell? Yeah. Considering this is coming from a Jordan Peele movie, which I, that was amazing. Um, So that's, you know, clearly a call out to, uh, to get out. Yeah. Uh, The, the Goonies is listed. The Goonies is, is on the shelf as well. (laughs) I hate the Goonies. I fucking hate that movie. 
but it's about kids traveling underground. It's about yeah. kids going underground and, you know, finding and discovering things. And the tethered mom even has a direct, I love this. It, she, she pulls a direct quote from this movie and it's, it's funny because like it's she, the only thing she knows is this hands across America commercial and the movies that she grew up with. And she's mm-hmm. saying, she said something like it's our time now it's our time up here. And there's a scene in the Goonies where Sean Astin is in a well and he's talking about, it's our time down here. It's our mm-hmm. time. Like it's their time up there and that kind of thing. And that was just one of the coolest shout outs that I thought was, I that is that was so, that is, that is really cool. And the third movie that was sort of interesting is Chud. Chud. Yeah. It's a movie about mutant monsters rising up from the sewers and attacking the people above. So yeah. Do you know what Chud stands for? I don't. Cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller. I did not know that. That's interesting. Huh. Yeah, I don't know why. I knew. I think um, I think Rob Zombie was going to direct it, uh, <laughs> at, or like direct a remake of it uh, a while ago. He did not wind up doing it, so I didn't really. It did look. It looked very like sixties horror movie, sixties seventies like yeah, questionable uh, <laughs> animation and that kind of thing. But but yeah, that's uh. That's all I have. I have read Kayleen's other points, and I am so excited for you to bring those up. I think they're amazing. Fantastic, fantastic points. I think that you just brought up some really fantastic points, though. I'm very um, thank you. Every every time, every like new kind of point that's brought up, I just enjoy it a little bit more. You know, yeah. I appreciate it a little bit more. And I've said this to you before. I think it's it still baffles me to this day that we don't overlap our research more, and I think that that is like blows my mind and i think it's amazing because it it leaves for very uncomplicated yeah <laughs> content discussion so yeah like sometimes out. we'll we'll see things that the other person has noticed but it's like very rare that like i'm stepping on your toes or you're stepping yeah. on mine yeah like i'd seen the thing about the the vhs's or whatever but i didn't even like i don't know why i didn't put that down because it's genius like i <laughs> I, yeah, that's really, really cool. It works because I think we have like we, we, we operate on similar wavelengths, but then also um, different wavelengths. It's good. Yeah. That's why I think I made the right choice by um like letting you live this long. Oh, shit. I thought you were going to say like letting me be your co-host. And I was going to be like, I didn't audition for anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we chose you out of uh, all these people were knocking on my door. No, this this, this thing would not have even no. Yes, I'm glad I have your permission to live. I'm glad that your <laughs> life is in your hands. Yeah, don't take that for granted, bitch. Jeez. All right, so we had two shorter ones, and then Kayleen wrote us a little book, so um, <laughs> which we loved. <laughs> don't don't worry. Um, so the our friends at Film Rant Podcast uh, just said that they loved it. Jordan Peele is a genius, and I totally agree. I think uh, you know each of our points in this has just kind of added to the overall like monument in Jordan Peele's honor that I think this episode is going to shape up to be. He really is just a genius and I'm so excited to see what he has next. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe, who I literally oh, responded Joe. to this message with, you don't like nothing. <laughs> he's Joe's like, a longtime fan. We yeah, love he's like a very, very, very dedicated fan, but he like rarely likes the movies we do. <laughs> so, uh, he said more annoying than scary didn't have a connection with me like Get Out did. And I understand that. Like, there are people fair, that, yeah. you know, were thinking that this movie would be more like Get Out. Like, I think that there are definite similarities, but maybe you have to dig a little bit to to see all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
or listen to a podcast that does the digging for you. Yes, bitch, and then yes. go rewatch the movie with a with new the lens. promo. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we already got you if you're this far. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, no. Thank you for the feedback, Joe. We always we always love hearing from you. Someday we'll do a movie that Joe likes. He's <laughs> going to be a guest on one. I hope he likes that movie. He does, he actually I I asked him for a list and he he chose this movie so good so we're good we're in the clear <laughs> okay um yes and then as Jordan has said Kayleen wrote us a bunch of points and I'm just gonna bring them up as we go I think some of them maybe we've talked about a little bit but um mm-hmm. so uh. She had mentioned that they had talked a lot about privilege and how much this movie plays with it and how we as the audience are mad that Lupita survives in the end. Uh, But then we have to think about if she's really all that evil. Those kids are still her real kids, and she just happened to be smart enough to get out of the underground world, which I totally agree with. Like, you cannot fault her uh, for for trying to – like, maybe maybe what she should have done – and I like a scared kid maybe – like her think realizing that she needed to swap it out just so that she didn't get pulled down to continue being a tethered that she needed to swap out so nobody would know i applaud a child that smart but what i would have wanted her to do is just go up there and be like look there's a bunch of people down down here that's, like that's my issue with this. Yeah. like there's such an ethical it's not even a dilemma it's just it's it's bad what she did because she grew up above ground, seeing how beautiful everything is with the knowledge that there are other people still below them, miserable and eating raw rabbit. She, at some point, even if it took like a couple of years for her sort of moral compass to develop, she should have said something. <laughs> yeah, you're it. right. You're right. She should have. She should have. Now that that's kind of like, I didn't really think about it that. Yeah. But like in the, in the terms of her family, I think what Kayleen is trying to say is that like, yes, yeah, she's still a mom. She still is loving. So it is, it's difficult for us to not sympathize with her of actions course, in this movie. So yeah. I completely get what she's saying. Especially when you spend uh, 99% of this movie thinking she's the heroine, you know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. And I, she just still kind of winds up being, but it's not like she's like, the good and right and just heroine, mm-hmm. you know? Um, she said, you know, why was she doomed to the life underground in the first place when real Lupita was born in, into her surface person privilege? And that's, you know, and that goes back to what we said. It's like, it's just completely circumstantial. And I think that yep. is what Jordan Peele, one of the things he is trying to say is that people don't choose where they're born. They don't choose the privilege that they get or don't get. So it's really kind of like nothing's really fair. You can't really view it as that because there isn't there isn't like uh, a fair and just uh, system in place to make sure that everybody has the same opportunities. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, she's, she had mentioned that I know one of you mentioned being raised in a religious household. We actually were both raised in religious mm-hmm. households. I think it was probably school-wise it was more afflicted yeah. on me, Nick. Yeah. You know, and she said she was as well. As soon as I got home from seeing this movie, I looked up Jeremiah eleven eleven um, from the homeless man's sign, and she quoted the verse, hoping that it would say the following, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Alas, it was not that verse, but I thought that the message really kind of worked well with the idea of privilege and being complacent to the horrible world that lies beneath. And what that verse, I think, is kind of trying to say is that God's like, you know, if you don't, if you're, if you're not helping 
everyone, then you're not really doing what I told you. You're not you're yeah. not helping like it's you don't help the people it's easy to help. You help the people that need it the most. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um she said there seem to be a lot of religious aspects besides the Bible verse, especially with the biblical character names. She you, you oh, had yeah. mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a theory I had after seeing it was that the humans that abandoned the clones could maybe be a metaphor for God abandoning us on Earth. Lupita basically calls herself uh, the new God because she had to lift these people up out of their underground prison. You know, like she, she did spark that rebellion. So, and then then she did ask us about the bunnies. Uh, the the best she said the best that she could come up with is that. Uh, they're known for being prolific animals that make a lot of offspring uh, or that rabbits are very commonly experimented on and these doppelgangers are all technically experiments or that their ears are symmetrical like scissors. So like <laughs> definitely she definitely brought up some similar points to what we have found. Um, when they kill the bunnies, they're tethering them from their selves. I li- she says, listen, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh, also, she brought up something that I wanted to talk about, too. Uh, the scissors, the scissor motif, that yep, they are yep. uh, essentially two blades hooked together, you know, two designed different, to create a perfect weapon. Yeah, two identical things that are yeah. connected. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, on the second watch, she said, since we weren't in theaters, we paused a lot to discuss. We talked a lot about how the doppelgangers, even though they die, seem to be slightly better at everything. Maybe these are the better versions of these people, not the worst versions. Uh, and this is probably because of their lack of privilege. For example, Abraham doesn't uh, have access to healthcare like Abe and therefore never had the ability to see well. He didn't have glasses it probably makes him a better fighter because he's had to adapt to these conditions. Because if Gabe loses his glasses, he's fucked. It was at this moment that I knew that I am so inferior to these girls. I know. (laughs) That one I think was my favorite point that she brought up. I think that was like so insightful that it's something I never even considered at all. No, me either. They're, they're geniuses. Absolutely. Um, She just said this movie also just has so much to unpack. Uh, in terms of noticing what certain details of the movie mean once we understand the full story. The only new detail I discovered on the rewatch is that when young Lupita from the underground is playing with the toys while her parents say, you know, I want my little girl back, she's putting all her animals in a line, like a Hands Across America line. Yeah. Yeah, so I think there's definitely a lot of foreshadowing in this movie, like (laughs) a ton. And, you know, it plays into the coincidence thing, how it, things just seem to line up. And it it means more by the end of the movie, but also means more on rewatches. That's a very good catch. I did not uh, see that either. Yeah. And she just, this is her wrapping up. She says, basically, I'm, what I'm saying is this movie is a treat. My apologies for making this so long. No worries. <laughs> we love uh, hearing your points. Uh, just know that it's, because I wanted to provide at least one idea you didn't already think of on your own, and I'm worried you're too smart and already thought of all these things. Haha. <laughs> okay, bye now. Can't wait to listen. Love, Aunt Kayleen. Uh, <laughs> you thought of several things we did not. Uh, several things. Yeah. I can only wish to be as insightful as as you are, and as you know, your sisters are. Yes. Aunts. <laughs> sisters. Yeah. <laughs> I'm chewing um, ice and I'm realizing you can probably hear it. Sorry. Yes, yes. I think we've 
rambled quite a bit. We've, uh, yeah, man, this is going to be a long fucking episode. All of our episodes are long, but whatever. (laughs) I'm looking. Yeah, this is, this is going to be a long one, but that's cool because this is a great movie and I'm, I am really thankful that I had, uh, you here to well, thanks. You're thankful that me. I'm alive. Yeah. You're thankful yeah. that I haven't decided to to let you go. Yeah. to kill you. Yeah, I'm honored to probably be the tethered version of you, Jordan, <laughs> in this dichotomy of our show. I think this wound up turning out really nicely. I'm proud of you. I think so too. I for some reason it feels like so long that we've done a take three, and it's fun to get back into the groove of things. I don't know. It's just because of how we've been scheduling things or recording things. We recorded Blair Witch Project way in advance, so you're right. We haven't done a take three in a bit. Yeah. We're going to be cutting it close with this one, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, next episode is going to be – what the fuck is next episode? Is oh, is next King? episode – oh, yeah, quick take. But, like, full-on episode is is the um, Remember, Remember, the 5th of November. Uh, is it? Yeah, V for Vendetta. Love that movie. Yeah, so if you have any thoughts on that, you should send it our way, and we will bring it up in the podcast. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, so yeah, this is really long. Let's just say goodbye. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to episode 23 of Take 3, a movie podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. It was produced and edited by Nick Crawford and Jordan Sato. And if you want to access all of our episodes, you can visit Take3AMP.com. That's the number three. You can also follow us on social media at Take3AMP. Also, if you enjoy this podcast and you want to support it, you can join our Patreon family starting at just $5 a month and get access to exclusive merch, episodes, and all kinds of other shit. Visit Patreon.com slash Take3AMP for that. Another way you can support us is to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I'm not sure why it helps, but I do know that it does. I probably forgot something, but just Google us if you have any questions. Thanks again for the support, and until next time, happy listening.